Good day, my friends. My name's Kyle. I surf, I make movies, and I love asking questions. These are conversations with fascinating people I meet along the way, from thought leaders to environmental activists to filmmakers. And in this case, one of my favorite big wave surfers, Mr. Ben Wilkinson. Ben is a competitor in the Mavericks contest. He is a nominee for an XXL Big Wave Award. He is an alternate in the Eddy, and he is also a carpenter by trade. He is a woodworker. Uh, he, he gets massive logs all around the world, and he salvages them and makes beautiful furniture. And in this conversation, we talked about his upbringing, we talked about woodworking, we talked about big wave surfing, had a few laughs, had a few beers. It was good fun. I love the guy. If you like this podcast and you want to donate a few bucks a month to it, I would be grateful. You can head over to my website, kyle.surf, and by donating even a few bucks a month, it enters you into a raffle where I give away all kinds of gear. All right. Please welcome my man, Big Ben Wilkinson. Kyle Cameron here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. So anyway, I would I would drive up there and I'd drive up to work too. I, I worked on a on a ranch in um, Cayucas as well. So I'd kind of like to and fro, and it was all like kind of under the table kind of kind of work. I'm, right. a, I'm a carpenter by trade, so I'd, I'd have to like make ends meet so i'd be i was traveling around i spent a lot of time kind of in mavs and i'd have to work and then so i'd drive up and drive down and, and you'd work and at the ranch in cayucas work in the ranch and i worked on a fishing boat as well out of uh san pedro cool a, what were you doing on the boat like a, i was like kind of like deckhand kind of day chef kind of cooking burgers what was that like burgers. it was really cool actually uh the captain Ryan uh, and the deckhand who actually got me the job, uh, Joel Bornasisi. He's he's like kind of a really talented surfer too, and he'd been on the boat for for a while, and he was kind of looking for somebody who could handle the work because it's like all summer, like you work like every day. It's like every day you wake up at four and wake up at four and go out on like a three quarter day charter and. There's 40 people, and you got a. Uh, my job was like I had a two by two little flat grill in underneath of this boat, and I had to cook for up sometimes up to like 40 people, like simple stuff like Holy shit. breakfast burritos, breakfast sandwiches. So like this is for the guests that would go out go and fishing, and yeah. they would go fishing, and would you fillet up the fish on the boat, or yeah, would it be yeah. or would well, it be different meals that you would have ready for the guests? It was just a combination of both. Basic meals was what it was like breakfast would be like a breakfast burrito potatoes and eggs and bacon whatever cheese cheapest kind of stuff um lunch hamburger whatever cheeseburger and 
and then we would you know i would kind of help like do the deckhand there was you know the captain and the deckhand we'd all kind of pull in and if the fish were on like calico bat we'd go out to catalina from san pedro so if, if the fish were on we'd all you know help out and then at the end of the day you know joel he was like the deck the main deckhand he would do all the filleting and and stuff and then i'd go back underneath and like beers and whatever like. oh what a cool experience yeah yeah um, i have cool. a few friends who work on boats and it seems like an exhausting culture but a really cool culture at the same time yeah we had so much like fun like the captain was a like a young guy really really talented like I, he was just amazing with the how he would position the boat and how he'd anchor the boat and like being like an ocean person like you know oh yeah just anchor the boat and fish but it was like every day out at catalina all the upwelling and all the ocean conditions you know the winds and the swells and all that stuff would really factor into how you know what he'd see on the you know on his fish finder where the bait was and kind of what the bottom was doing how the boat would set up with a certain current like onto certain bottom stuff like there's just so much into it so he was he was awesome to have as a boss and then joel he was crazy and like, who is joel joel born of sissy and he was uh he was just like he loved it too like he loved like giving a really really good experience to you know like he's a working class guy too and like he just really prided himself in like doing a good job helping people make getting people to catch fish and then then it would return at the end of the day to all that energy you exert trying to make people's experience awesome well then hopefully it'll come back in tips you know in the the end of the day because we didn't make like that much money like per day right all just you'd rely tips on tips back. right but isn't it cool to see how that quality that you're talking about in terms of taking pride in the work that you do can get you so far and it doesn't it doesn't actually matter what it is that you're applying yourself to as long as you have that attitude of having your work be your calling card and and just how how valuable that is i have a friend his name's nick and i grew up with him and he is the hardest worker and my family is like just part-time employed him from one thing for another like my mom has has hired him for gardening and for then research and my brother has ne- has now hired him for filmmaking and my dad has hired him for moving shit because my dad goes to the flea market all the time and gets stuff that he, he's like a total fixer-upper like he he like one's got a hot air balloon at the flea market because it was a really good deal on hot air balloon <laughs> And he has these cargo containers that he puts all this stuff into. And dude, God bless him because he he hates buying new and he loves a good deal and he'll go in there. But as a result, he just constantly has to move around all of this stuff that he gets. And, and it's not a selfish um, kind of like hoarder's attitude. It's like, oh, Ben, you need you're looking for a purple couch. I have three of them. <laughs> Let me give this to you. Anyway, my friend Nick is has always been the guy to to move all of the stuff around from one uh, one storage area to the next. And and but my point is is that he has such a solid work ethic that it doesn't really matter what he's applied himself to. He's done a good job at it because he takes that kind of pride in his work. Yeah, if you if you think you know thinking. Ahead and you 
if you work for yourself too you kind of know going into any other jobs as well that you know you need to you know you need to think ahead and be yeah be onto like what you know the next task will be or something like that. like i the my boss when i when i first started my carpentry apprenticeship i came to hawaii actually and it was a uh, something i saved up for like like most of my child from like 12 years old on my um, I told my parents I'm going to Hawaii when I'm 16 because I thought I was big and bad and like I'm 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 the man kind of thing. But I had a a job on a milk run, had a job doing a paper run. Like the milk run was like three days a week, and the paper run was every morning. This is in before, Australia. Yeah, before school, I'd get what, up. What part of Australia did you grow up in? From uh, North Narrabeen. Okay. So I'd get up every morning, do the paper. Sometimes, you know, it would be pretty easy and I had like I could fit it all in my bike and I could just bang it out. On Saturdays, it was like an ordeal. Like the paper was like an inch thick. And <laughs> stacks and stacks and stacks. Of them. It would take me hours and hours and hours. What kind Saturday. of paper was it? The, the local it was like news? the local paper, yeah. Yeah, the Manly Daily. Basically Rattle. like the whole, you know, the whole area, like one paper. That's so cool. Like Santa Cruz type of... Type Young of Ben Wilkinson, yeah. paper boy. And I was, but it was like, I was saving my money yeah. to like, to save up. And like when I was 16, I bought my own air ticket and I told my mom and dad, I'm going to Hawaii. So, and then when I got back from Hawaii, my boss at the time, or my boss who I was going back to was a local guy from Narrabeen. His name is Jimmy Miller. And he was just a, a hard like bastard to work for but he instilled in me like you know like you needed to be on to it you needed to be like work hard fast and accurately and so that like got like i didn't know what hit me like the first week we did we did this job and uh and one of my jobs was to like look after this dog and the dog's (laughs) name was deputy dog it was like a black lab with like a white patch and just like and I'm like what? fresh as like and he's just like into the job like he's got mortgages I didn't even know like he's got babies coming what you know full on like into it like you know under pressure to like produce for his family like everything yeah and I'm just come back from Hawaii and we go to this job and he's up in the roof and we're nailing like rafters together and he just bought like the new cordless pasload gun, which was in Australia, it was like a thousand bucks for like the gun. And I'm cutting the rafters and I cut one short. And then like the you know, 100 mil, which is like four inches, like I did the 100 mil trick on one of the rafters and they're like hardwood rafters. And he was just losing his shit, like yeah. just furious, you know? And then I finally like got it all sorted. And he's up there and he's just like, just shaking. Like, right. He's just, he, couldn't come down he just like wanted to get these rafters up because to hold the ridge he's like basically holding the ridge up like while i'm doing it so he was one of those guys that taught you that like he's fighting around and then i pass him up the nail gun and it didn't have nails in it like <laughs> he's trying to do it and he ends up just throwing the nail gun like at me from like up there <laughs> i just like step to the side look look behind me and it hits the ground like a thousand dollar nail gun no and then he's like just pissed off and i come and he comes down and the dog's gone oh shit and then I, he made me like go this is like, like a scene from meet like, the parents or something he made me like go and like God get damn the dog. Fucker. yeah it was it was and i was just like 
that was like my introduction to like the workforce after like being in hawaii surfing had to like chase the dog around ended up in like a public school like all the kids are called i'd get to it and I'd just run away i was just like i spent like all day chasing this dog and i get back and he just he wouldn't even talk to me so like, this is getting my boss you know, <laughs> learning life skills with just nail guns bang like, and lost off dogs the, straight off the like, if you ever get a documentary made about yourself you should call it nail guns and lost dogs <laughs> reenacting that would be pretty well getting someone to reenact that would be pretty funny oh damn that's cool man but i'm sure it taught you a lot of skills that you're applying now because now you're an incredibly competent builder given the work that you're doing you're constantly figuring out how to navigate a new canvas every single time you take a reclaimed um piece of wood correct yeah and that's pretty well what you get from doing like renovations and remodels and stuff like that there's always and something that he taught me like hey like you, okay we're doing this stuff it's the same thing I, like when you when you solve a problem you get all the floor joists down or something then you're sheeting the floor okay same thing benny you just go okay this is cake like lay the, you know lay them down but think about the next problem that we're going to get to or or think about something you know that might be you know you're tying into the house and something might be out right. of square or or the levels are wrong or just try and think about like solving stuff while you're on your feet while you're doing that mundane process and then by the time you get to that you know that obstacle or that problem you've kind of got a, a bit of a handle on it in your own brain and then you can kind of just roll into it as well and that's like that's something that like i think about to like and i i use it in i use it every day like you know there's always problems obstacles there's always like kind of like scheduling there's always stuff that you have to it might be a, a log salvage but i've got to you know deliver a piece to get fumigated or blah 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 like you know but yeah, like it's, doing the furniture, there's always problems. Too, right, like but I hadn't stuff. thought of that in in terms of that even carpenters when they're building a house are constantly running into issues and they're constantly having to think three or four steps ahead, and then and then troubleshooting it because a lot of every time you're making a house or most times you're making a new house, and um, that, that's just an interesting point. I hadn't really thought about that that that. To be a carpenter and to be someone who's really good, you need to constantly face a problem and solve it. Yeah, that's one. Like in in Australia, like a carpenter is like revered, or a builder is like revered as like you know like it's pretty like pretty big deal, you know. But and, and then when I went to when I came to the states and worked, it's kind of a little bit different. Like it's not really seen as you know such high like prestige or or anything like that. But there's so much like if you if you're a builder like if you build houses from like the ground up you're working even before it's built you're putting in you know all the plumbing the electrical you know you you're setting up like septics and you you know and then you get into the formwork and then the concrete and then you know you're framing and all then all the electrical and plumbing and that all goes in second floor whatever like there's so much like it, so much that goes into it's an important skill set and one house. it seems like australia um values its trades more than the united states does in terms of that most most a lot of aussies who i meet they they went to school for a trade and they're very skilled in that where 
as um i mean america is such a, a big country there's so many people you do have a lot of carpenters but you also have a lot of young people growing up right now who are going to to school um not learning a trade right and and a lot of it it goes back to us sitting at computers and and their job is on a computer right where it seems like you made a decision from an early on whether it was on your paper route or on a boat or on a ranch that you enjoyed using your hands and working outside yeah a lot of that too but it was kind of necessity as well like right i don't have uh, like you know i didn't have parents that you know were gonna pay for me to go to school and to, for you know even through year 12 like i left in year 10 it's like mate like what are you gonna do like when right. we, we can't afford you just cruising just hanging and surfing like that was out of the question you know so yeah pick a trade basically like in australia like you know people in situation like i like you have to you know picking a trade is kind of like you know the best option you can be a laborer you could be a builder's laborer and just labor for you know 200 bucks a day for the rest of your life or you can you know start low like i think my first year as a carpenter my wage was 155 bucks a week so and then that included like one day we worked like four days and then you go to TAFE one day a week and that's like the the trade school like equivalent and then you learn you know basic stuff like right you know textbook stuff and it's for people that like weren't really applying themselves in build so save some people just did concrete work or form work for their for their job well then they would learn how to do dovetails and how to you know how to use other hand tools and or like how to build roofs right. and stuff like that right. so and that was a four-year a four-year program too so while you're doing your apprenticeship your wage goes up incrementally per year and then you always have one day off to go to school per week and then after that um the last year you do like week blocks so you work like five weeks straight and then you your boss you know it's, it's all paid for like by your boss too you take a week off and you go to school and you do the block release and then that's where you deal with like the detail rules and really learn how to do form work like you do projects right did you ever class. did you ever uh consider going into the mines when you were growing up it wasn't really i don't know it just wasn't really an option until until kind of I left, I think, because I left Australia basically in 2005. So I think after after that, then that's I have a lot of friends that are work worked and working in the mines. Yeah. I think it's kind of quietening down a little bit now, but there's still probably a, a fair few jobs there. But it really went crazy, like for know, a little while, right? Yeah. I have a number of friends who will work in the mines in Australia, in Western Australia, for a number of months. And then they'll take the rest of the year to go travel. Yeah. Uh, and th it does seem like a decent option for um, a lot of Australians growing up. But I, it's cool to see that you that you found something out of, um, what well, I heard you say is out of necessity, more or less. And then to really excel at it to the, the level that you have and to be able to apply the kind of creativity that you have been able to apply to that is um, is something that's that's special to see yeah yeah and i'm like like i can I'm tell still getting like i love i love doing it and i'm still like it's still like a grind too because you know to be as creative as you want you need like you need 
still got to be yeah still got to be able to pay the bills <laughs> yeah, right so yeah so it's, it's it's kind of a fine line and it's it's um i'm learning a lot like just having like because i just had a baby boy too so that changes like you know before it was kind of just me and i could like float around and like oh, i don't i don't really need too much but like now it's like okay well you got to kind of yeah kind of get serious and right and you know uh, set, set stuff up and so you're get you're getting uh salvaged wood would you how does that work from beginning to end and how will you choose what what projects you want to work on because i've i've heard you talk about before, oh i got this huge stump out of the you know, waimea river or something like that and had to chain it up and attach it to my truck and bring it into my workshop it's it's a a cool process yeah. um that I'd, i'm interested to know more about and and to know about how you choose the the projects that you um that you really get after yeah it's it's a really it's a really cool kind of interesting uh interesting process for, for like many reasons like the the log salvage in itself will be thank you yeah will be like it's kind of like i've kind of rival it now to like kind of chasing a swell type of thing like you get a, i get like a little buzz like from i get high it'd be like catching a good wave at like a good wave at mavs like just by like a really difficult log salvage can be to me like just as enjoy like just as enjoyable because you have to you have to work hard and you have to you know you have to you know have a lot of luck and like most of the time i'm doing it with my truck and sometimes i get a bit of a help with a machine so i'm really undergunned most of the time in like most of, I, I bite off like more than i can chew with the log salvages and it's like i use the tools i use my truck i use the winch i'll use a machine i'll use an auto bar and i'll try and i'll and most of the time i'm successful in like the actual salvage in excavating like, the log yeah and like that's like the f the very first thing so you just spent a day you've broken a bunch of stuff you you know you come home just filthy and work, like you know sometimes it's like oh yeah yeah it's an easy salvage and you get there and there's no access and you gotta <laughs> like you know hook up ropes and all sorts of like cool stuff to like i'm learning too like i really like enjoy like the process different like angles and i know kind of the the, the truck i have is like a rollback tow truck with a winch on it uh, and the winch what is kind of tow powerful. truck is it it's like a a chevy like 6500 like cab over dude you gotta get them like, to sponsor you <laughs> <laughs> perfect candidate it's like a, how many people get huge trucks and don't use them for what they're built for? You're yeah, one of the exactly. few people who is actually probably putting these things to the test on a weekly basis. Yeah, so it's... I'd be such a badass commercial and be like, I use my Chevy. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get, we got to get this log out of this river. Sometimes you don't want to see what I it. use my truck for. It's just like... Oh my God. It's like, it's, I'm sure it's the mechanics like just the, like, what have you been doing with this? Part of the fun of the whole, like that's exciting. I'm know? sure. So that's the first part. And then, you know, you build, I build relationships with some of the arborists and the tree trim guys and, and I'm not the I'm not the first guy to do this. I'm not you know gonna be the last, but in building the relationships, you kind of like my service I provide. I you know basically 
you know some people buy the logs off the guys and the guys some of the guys know that and some of the guys sell their logs too but i'm in no position to like go in there's a lot of guys that are above me that have money like a lot of money and they can just front the money for the logs but there's no way i could do that in like because i know how much it costs in the end right but i build a relationship and i provide a service so the guys you know the guys call me up hey ben i got a big tree so what they have to do they have to pay for the tonnage at the dump and they've got to cut it up into chunks and get it there so i'm alleviating their labor cutting this big tree up into little chunks right and then actually loading it into a truck of their own and then taking it to the dump and then they've got to pay per ton to dump the 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 stuff and then they've got to unload it so there's a lot of like um so that's kind of you take a big load off of their hands that's the service i provide and then in in that they they you know they i scratch their back a little bit and then they scratch my back on the way out because i don't have to pay for the log necessarily right but it still costs me a lot of money to go there for a day for me for my truck gas stuff i break you know it all kind of adds up at the end of the year does most of your furniture come from uh people calling you and saying hey i have this huge log on my property i think it would be really great to um make into um one of your items is that how it it normally happens or are you just scouring after big storms there's a like you hear a chainsaw and you go and have a look you know if i if i'm sitting home on a sunday and someone's i hear a chainsaw i'll go for a walk and have a look and see what (laughs) like you know but you could i could drive i don't do it that much but i could drive around the island and just run into stuff like see people like cutting down trees here yeah. hey, like, you get so, rid of that yeah so yeah um some you know most of the time it's it's more from the my acquaintances the you know but then people will ring me up and go hey like don't you you know build furniture this guy down the road's cutting down a tree or or a lot of a lot of stuff comes from you know you know people thinking like oh or they see something right. they call me like my friends call me uh you know. do, do you have a lot of people who recognize you as the surfer who also know that you do this work and will call you because of because they know you through that world? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's I, a small say, it's a small like, island, especially on on Oahu. There's a, there's a lot of people who do what I do on on the island too. Okay. So, um, there's a there's a bit of competition, but I just I know I can't really I can't really play I can't really go and pay and and play with some of the you know there's some some guys that have like you know they don't really even need to be doing it but and then they're doing it for their hobby and their business so I can't really match them stuff but so I just get the get the salvages that come my way and like it feels good and I help out those other guys too are kind of on my level in their businesses as well so if I can help them and they're stoked like me helping them well then I'm stoked to get in the and it's just like it's a good feeling right it's not like oh you didn't pay me for the log like you owe me like this or that because sometimes I'll work a deal where I'll give them a a slab or whatever but it's just so hard like the work is so hard and the amount of time and like so it's not even really worth like bartering like oh yeah I'll, I'll give you like half the wood because by the time you get it on your truck and by the time you cut it all up and by the time you've sticked it and dried it and it's just there's uh so what does a really good uh log look like 
What's what's the the call that you want to get? I really like big stuff, and big I'm kind of like the bigger the better. I, I'm really like I like a challenge, so it's kind of oh, is it gonna like what kind break of my truck? Right, <laughs> what gonna, kind of, it's not like, worth it unless there's a chance. What uh, I'm doing a job to like I was telling you earlier. I'm like I was getting organized to do a job tomorrow, and my mill. I think the width of the mill should be able to cut the log, but the height is too much. So I have to build like a, a little platform to put my... So I've got like a bunch of pallets and I'm going to put some, some timbers on the pallets and then I'm going to build a little plywood deck. So and then I'm going to put my mill on top of it and then start the cutting. And as I go down the log, when I get to the bottom, there's still going to be like a third of the log left so i'll have to set it up again what kind of logs do you use in hawaii that work really well monkey pot is probably one of the the best for for me because the the way the the wood seasons and stuff there's not too much like cracking and checking and the color is somewhat similar to koa and stuff it's a darker wood with a with a light um kind of bark um, grain on the outside yeah and so that and a lot of people like the the darker wood I, I i love that wood too but there's um there's so many species here in hawaii there's a lot of eucalyptus that is kind of getting giant and i cut some cut some um, citradora that had some <clears throat> really amazing kind of figure and grain in it but it's not so much of a a dark wood like a lot of people are kind of after the dark woods but anything like really big i'm willing You're to try and you yeah know, to There's try and do with albizio is a invasive species that the log i'm actually cutting in manoa is albizio and it was like a i don't know how like tall it actually was when it had to get cut down because it was over a big um, car park in paradise park so the trees get so loaded up with the with all the canopy it gets crazy and then we've had real crazy weather so a whole branch will drop and like Damn. it's a liability thing yeah so now you're dealing with a lot of when a big tree falls you gotta have plan b in set if it yeah. doesn't go the way that it's and supposed I don't, to go i don't usually cut the actually trees down right they're usually ones that have already fallen or the the arborist or or the tree service will cut it down. I, I, I can and I do, but that's only if it's like a, a dead standing or a tree that has to be removed. The inside of wood is so beautiful. That it's one of those those things in nature when you when you cut through it and you see all the intricate lines through it that um it is easy to trip out on. I've always um, thought it was fascinating how, how certain trees will have those um, those circles and they'll just keep going out and out and out and out and out. Yeah. And um, the way that you can tell the age the age of a tree through that is that is it consistent that you can tell the age of a tree through the amount of circles on it? I think like generally like with the I'm not too sure about like the monkey pod because it's like it's it grows goes pretty fast and right so it, it might depends. not be but the redwoods um in california it's like each season it'll have you know each year it has the the ring so you can basically tell 
exactly how right. old that, that tree that's is. why i'm thinking that because <laughs> i live in santa cruz so we have yeah redwoods all over and have you had a chance to work with some redwoods before i haven't no. damn you want to though no. huh I you gotta go, come to come to Santa Cruz. I want to go everywhere. I've take down so one of those many. old growths. <laughs> no, I would like. I won't take them down. But no, no. But if they if they fall, that's yeah. I, yeah. Like, there's. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I have a lot of, a lot of dreams. Even just to like travel, and especially now because I have a family, like travel, work, and surf, and just experience like different cultures and and have different challenges. I have. Uh, I've worked down in Chile. I know. I was hanging with you down there. That was yeah. fun. Did some salvaging down there, and even just like I don't know, it's hard down there. It's so hard to kind of work with, you know, the Chileans. It's like it's a, it's a challenging stuff. Even just <laughs> right. Well, to, you don't really know Spanish. Right? Lunch, <laughs> I don't well. speak Spanish, but you know, I, I can get, yeah, that little by, the, like, the little Tacoma, right? Or what? What was like it? A, I had like a it was a Chevy. It was a Chevy. <laughs> it was a Chevy. Yeah, Pit Mover Junior. It was a little one. Yeah. So you were putting logs in the back of that. Yeah, well, I was working. I was working that. And because I built a piece for uh, Lobos Por Siempre and um, Hotel Alaya. And did a, I worked with um, Raymond's brother Tito and then Raymond's dad. And that was fucking so yeah. cool. Like that whole, I don't know. Yeah, like, Ramon Navarro and his whole... Um, network down there is really special that whole experience too like i kind of i went into a liar with you know my just because i got a foot in the door from yeah. being like a big wave surfer right like i surfed in the contest down there so kind of like gave me like a little bit of a leg up in like being able to use some of like the wood and even just like building a piece for that place yeah Alaya is a, a beautiful hotel right on the beach of pichilemo um, yeah, and, and right, right, right on the beach at, at Punta de Lobos, which is um, the most well-known wave down there. Yeah, so like they, you know, they're working with um, with Raymond, you know, saving, you know, saving that point from being overdeveloped. And, yeah, and so they, I, I work with them to to build a piece, and I got down there and. What was the piece? It's a it's an alaya table, basically. I, I you know have a design where I have like two like traditional. Or like a liar like templates and i'll you know f fasten them down like by um the way i do it here is like lash it like a canoe but then the way we did it down there um Ramon's dad he's a fish like he's like a like a real fisherman the fisherman's like, son i yeah. saw that movie yeah so and he's like a net you know he mends nets makes his own nets and stuff like that so i was like I tried to get him to... I tried to get them... Anyway, we'll go back a little bit. On arrival, I got down there and, like, I was kind of getting, like, full attitude from Tito a little bit and his worker, Carlos. Like, they were working for a liar doing their furniture and they're great craftsmen as it is. And this gringo comes down and a liar's like, hey, this guy's going to make this table. And they're all like, oh, this f this guy type of thing like i'm in their workspace and i'm like you know like i'm friends with raymond i'm like i'm staying at rodrigo and my right. good friends house down the road i know a lot of people but they're kind of you know like they're like, they're like hey if you know if, if you're the local photographer you want to get hired for the job rather than them bringing someone else in yeah so kind the, of thing. you know they're a little bit kind of weird like when i first showed up there um but and and, and raymond's dad too like he like 
I don't speak Spanish, but I can understand a lot. I but your booming lash, booming laugh and dazzling hear, personality. I just could hear <laughs> them just talking sh- mad <laughs> shit. I was like, these guys are like bummed. And I felt like, so I just kind of like, they weren't helping me out. Like, oh, can you, do you have clamps? Oh no, we don't know what that is. And like, you know, just like, just like at the start. But then by the end of it, I just like put my head down and kind of like persevered and and made stuff like I went down to you know I had I did take like all my tools down there too so I had some like clamp ends and stuff I just needed some pipes for the pipe clamps and kind of jerry rigged up a whole bunch of stuff like rubbers and like car car tube to like clamp stuff and like and then by the end of it I kind of built the alias and I built the table base and and then I wanted to and then I had an idea because I was trying to I was going to lash it like the Hawaiian style and I was like oh and I was, I was hanging with Raymond and like oh who did that and he's like oh my dad like it was like this nice like net I'm like oh okay cool so we'll get Raymond's dad to like do a sick net so we had him on the job we got the twine and, and he was like actually like you know working with D who was who we didn't know at the time was like pregnant with Maleko, so we're down. Is your there. your girlfriend? Yeah, and and he's just and then he's just classic. Like he's like, you know, making like hand. Mo- he's like looking at me, pointing at me, pointing at her, and like making like <laughs> the pokey pokey motion, and just like even like without the language barrier, yeah. like we just like started hanging out, and I'd go to his house, and he'd cook like empanadas and we would i'd cut like he'd go point me to like some woody one cut i'd take my alaska meal up there cut him some chunks and just like damn what a cool experience man such a cool experience that's rad and what kind of wood uh were you working with down there there was there's a whole bunch of different stuff but cypress and roble and we went i went down with a, a friend of mine tomas down to um Ranco it's like a, a big lake down down south and I, I don't know just like f- f- there's a whole bunch of like different like yeah like mac- like some really old macadamia trees that were on the farm that kind of blew over we we milled some of that and and there's some f- epic stuff down there that I like I left there's there's some cool stuff to like do down there so i'm hoping to get back down there kind of soon to do another like work do you ever work with monterey pine down there no the monterey pine tree because because they cultivate in southern chile a ton of monterey pine which is native which to uh santa cruz and monterey and it's in these very specific parts there but it's one of the most um widely cultivated trees in the world now and it was really interesting when when we went down into southern chile to see monterey pine everywhere well actually vast crops of it yeah now i think about it the there was one one of the reasons why i wanted to go back and like do this in chile was after one of the big wave world tour events i went down south with rodrigo and we went to butchu and you know that big bridge down there and that the 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 kind of stream that comes out yep. in Butchu Pereira and there was a big massive and it might be a Monterey pine but there was a massive tree like in the riverbed down there and I always like thought about like that tree so we ended up like hiking down there taking the Alaska mill down there 
and one day I set it all up and I, I couldn't do the whole thing or anything, but I just wanted to, I, I got like the wood kind of talks to you too. Like when you become like an artist and you're into it, you're creative. Like that tree told me like five years before that it wanted to like get back into the ocean. So I'm like, oh, like I'm, I'm not going to be able to get it back into the ocean. This is what he told you. Oh, well, it was just like, it's just a feeling. Like, it was, it was your, this was your feeling. It's my feeling. So wow. like when you're working with wood and stuff like that, it's kind of a weird, a weird thing to say, but it'll tell you what to do. Like when it's time, like sometimes I'll have wood in my shop for years and I'm like, oh, I don't really like that piece of wood for some reason, blah, blah, blah. And then bang, it'll come like an idea, like. I try and do different stuff all the time to keep it interesting. I could just pop out a whole bunch of stuff, but this particular tree kind of triggered me to actually go down there with a, I took, you know, a chainsaws, I took all my tools and I got an Alaska mill set up and we trekked down. It's not, it's not so far to go surf, but to lug like chainsaws and everything down. And I got a piece of that tree, which it might be a Monterey pine, had been sitting in the riverbed for and the tree was probably i don't know maybe a hundred feet long and i got the very top of it and we the first day i tried to do it my um chainsaw one of the little like screws that keeps the tension on the from the the bar to the chain yeah that broke so i had to go on like I was defeated I was defeated after lugging all the stuff down there like I just wanted to cut a piece of wood and like I wanted to make an alaya out of it and go surf so I wanted to take it back to the to the ocean so what is a conversation like that when when you hear a piece of wood send you some kind of nudge that it can be made into a certain item what is that what does that just, actually look like? Bring bring me into that moment. I don't know. It's kind of... I haven't really... I talk about it a little bit, but I haven't... It's just... You'll be... You know, you look. You look at it with your eyes, and then you feel it with your hands, and then sometimes it's like there's a there's a piece where, oh, yeah, that's a coffee table, or that's a something or other, but there's other kind of pieces where, you know like the piece I was talking about, I didn't really like that particular piece of wood for anything like, cause it was a little bit too much like blonde on the outside. And it wasn't like a, a peak cause sometimes, you know, you have to, you put so much work into it. So it has to be like worth it in the end to, to be able to maybe sell it or, or the client has to like it, you know? So you have to keep, sometimes people are really picky about the pieces of wood they want you to work on too. But so a wood of, a, piece of wood will be you know like you'll be working on stuff and it'll it'll be in the corner of your eye or you'll see it or you'll you'll i don't know it's not that's like, cool no that's yeah, super so, that's super cool so then though, it'll man. go bang you get this idea and like oh you might be asleep you might be surfing or paddling or like a lot of the a lot of cool little that's problem solving right so a lot of cool things come from like when i'm paddling canoe or surfing or you know it's like bang okay oh, right it's that I'm relaxed like, mind and as soon as you're not thinking like, about it yeah not not like so much pressure like you're always kind of thinking about it 
it's always in like your subconscious type of thing but then it'll just like you'll get those eureka oh, moments yeah. as soon as you and then it's take easy a bath or go surf or yeah, yeah. that's and so cool man like, and then it flows like the create creativity sometimes is like really really easy if you've got a whole bunch of like good canvases per se good slabs to work on or whatever then bang 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 or you got like a whole big job like a i did a job for quicksilver and i had to do like 20 pieces all different so like that like you know bigger bigger merchandise stuff smaller stuff like glass resin blah 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 like but it like really worked out good because i was in like a a really good creative creative, and i had a lot of like go and it was just at all like i just i built 20 pieces basically by myself radical you know with the help of d like we got it shipped out and you know had some help from my you know a couple of my friends and jay who is my landlord like but really like not that much help in in the scheme of things to build like those 20 pieces you know like just banged them out like that's so cool man that's great so coming from a young kid doing a paper route in australia to being in the eddy how'd that happen man yeah oh that was just that was a lot of uh that was my dream basically is one of my you know why i came to hawaii like in the when i was 16 in the first place because i i wanted to challenge myself in the ocean and and i had always read you know all the stuff that came out about the eddie read the eddie book and really respected him and and yeah he was just like what he did before you know he passed and then what he did why he passed was like just i don't know it was just like in australia like there's i don't know hawaii's so different like to australia is awesome and there's so many like good people and it's like it's so like you know everyone's like awesome but at the same time like hawaii is just like so much bigger like everybody gives so much they have they have more time it's just it's really really weird like the island like the tahitians and the um hawaiians like they just have like it just seems to be like an abundance of time and patience and energy right to give to people whether it's food or knowledge like brian carolina comes and does our safety summit with us every year and like he's like one of the most sought after movie guy like he works yeah, he's one of the stuff. T- yeah one of the top like, guys in the world he takes like he doesn't get paid he comes and like gives his like knowledge every year it's right. not just like one time or here here's this stuff learn it and teach it next year he comes back because he because he knows that he wants like if we're out there if he teaches the more people he teaches well then the more people are out there to save his ass that's what he says so that mentality of like having you know just i don't know i enjoyed taking his risk assessment uh course or his his big wave safety course where he talks about risk assessment before paddling out i thought that he did a really good job um deducing it almost like a a paramedic goes about um treating a patient when they first get on scene he did a really good job breaking it into um what are the hazards that you are going to run into even before you go out and um you know how to handle a situation where if there's one guy who's who's drowning um not having two skis go in and potentially 
um, hinder each other's jobs because they're both trying to go in and just all of that really useful knowledge um, that makes it so that it doesn't feel so chaotic in the midst of chaos yeah and it just it comes it's in their culture it's like they're also giving like so yeah like me like i was growing up like i always used to watch like mavs movies too and like i wanted to go to i wanted to go to mavs like my whole life too so but like being like you know being in the eddy was like has always been like the pinnacle of like what i wanted to achieve when i when i left australia i left after my dad passed away from luke eric's disease or motor neuron disease and me and my sister cared for him until he passed away and you know i kind of used a lot of that um that time with him and, and he would you know he would be optimistic of my life after he passed away and we would dream and yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go be in the eddy that's what that's what i'd tell my dad while he was dying you know i'm that's what i'm gonna go do and then once he passed away it was just kind of programmed into me and and i started i started that journey and i kind of would let it be known to like i would you know be with you know quick you know if i knew some quicksilver executives or I even like emailed jody wilmot who i'm now like good friends with her husband liam like who is she like family and she she's been running the eddy for 20 something odd years and and she actually her family actually took eddie in when when he went to south africa during the apartheid and he was banned from the hotel because he was black so her family kind of like took him in over there and then after that she would travel to hawaii when she was a a young girl 16 15 or something like that and go stay at the icals in the in the cemetery in town and the icals just looked after her like a, a daughter so but she was um she's running the whole wsl of hawaii now and she's been under randy rarick for the last i think like 20 years or something like organizing the logistics of the triple crown so she is just amazing like you don't want to get into an argument if you get into an argument with her run she's a genius and she's sounds like someone who makes shit happen yeah she's on and she's yeah she's amazing so i emailed her and like you know being young and like okay i'm 22 i'm in hawaii i'm charging the bay you know i want i want in and she's like oh you know oh hi ben you know she's really you know really nice about it there's like no way in hell you're ever getting the eddie basically (laughs) and then through my yeah you get some email from some random australian can i i want to be in the eddie someday but you know if you don't put it out i sent pictures and that's super important how many people you don't know like like that's like one of the biggest lessons in like the the power of your mind and manifesting some sort of destiny or like having direction and like even if you don't get there you've still like shot in like that direction like i could have taken many roads in my in my life through depression through grief through a number of times in my life but if you have that big goal i think it really sets you up for you know it really no it really does i um i a hundred percent agree and will say that that um since I've become more interested in surfing big waves in the last few years, 
there was a conscious decision that I made where I said, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it responsibly. And I really do want to commit myself to it so that I can be comfortable in a bad situation. And that takes a certain amount of both mental, mental and physical, um, just time really it takes it takes a lot of time and, and commitment and you talk to any one of these guys yourself included you do have to make sacrifices to really go after a goal and even if you don't reach that specific goal that you set out as you said it sets you up for so many positive um you start building so many positive habits in your life right yeah. and and as you said there are a million ways to live life and it's it's so important to have those specific goals that you're constantly shooting for because if you don't it's so easy to get sidetracked with just bullshit man like yeah. how many how many people do we know who've fallen to drugs because there was just a time in their life when they had they didn't really know what they wanted to do and some bad influences came into their lives and now they're trying to get back to square one their whole for the rest of their lives right like if you if you know anyone who's gotten addicted to heroin or meth or anything like that it's even after they're sober even alcohol even, too even, like, fuck yeah alcohol man alcohol is like one of the it's a, the, the biggest ones that's the elephant in the room really yeah. is is how many functional alcoholics there are and, or, or dysfunctional but but even once you get sober from that place, it takes so much mental energy just to stay sober. Whereas it sounds like, and just from what I've seen in terms of people who I've, I've sat down with on this podcast, people like yourself who've really chased a passion and you've, you're doing something fucking incredible with your life, you've set a very specific goal and you've, you've made sacrifices to achieve that goal. Yeah, you know you, what I mean? Yeah, you learn, you learn a lot of like, just by yeah by by chasing that and and you you actually like i gave my life to it like it was a big deal like coming coming from kind of where i came from too which was like kind of nothing like on never being sponsored not having any corporate backing like doing what i done i was like if i didn't voice my dreams to people like chad wells wouldn't have talk to peter mel who wouldn't have talked to gary linden who wouldn't have got me into my first event down in chile and if that wouldn't have happened well then i wouldn't have you know been able to like show people i can actually like surf big waves and then going to mavericks well then power lines guy kurt and and all the guys there they wouldn't have, you know like if i didn't voice to them like oh yeah i want to be in the eddie but like oh this guy wants to go and then you know, just it just keeps on kind of rolling. Fuck yeah, man! And, and then you know, and you learn a lot from that. It's not like, and also like, the jobs that you lose along the way, and like coming, you know, going to do those events. I'd come back and I'd just be like, couldn't afford the trip, and you know, <laughs> go down there, earn no money. This is in the beginning days, right? And um, you know, we do it because I. I loved it and i wanted to, that was like my passion and what i really really wanted like to do and to achieve and and then come home and just like wow i'm like rent and i lost my job because like the people at the start they're like oh yeah you're a big wave surfer oh so cool they're telling all their friends blah 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 and then you go 
like you tell them hey i might have to leave for i'm a you know for an event sometime during this job in this three-month window and they'll call chile you're in the middle of someone's kitchen and you know i was sorry i gotta go for like a week or 10 days and come back don't have a job yeah so then you got to chase your tail and then like for me like that that was like a real challenge and i had to like i put a lot on the line for it but then i just kept on working at it and and there was countless times where i'd meet like i went on a i used to um look after a friend of mine's son who i actually met in i met this family in tahiti and um his dad was kind of like doing some some business down there and i was just surfing with my friend and there's this like real kind of random wave with a lot of current going through yeah. the, the channel and ended up his son just just got sucked out so i like paddled out after him we had to go like over the reef and it was kind of pretty pretty heavy and then eventually he like asked me if i wanted to go and you know kind of look after his son on a, a boat trip in panama i'm like oh yeah for, for yeah. sure yeah and there was all like a bunch <laughs> of like quicksilver executives you know and I had, I'm not going to name names, but I had some guys, like, I would tell them, like, they're the guys that could help me get into the eddy, you know, like, you know, yeah. push, if sure. give me a push. Well, yeah. Those were some of the guys. And, and one of the guys was like, there's no way you're going to get in the eddy. No way. Never. I'm like, okay. <laughs> what, like, oh, I was still determined. Like, oh, even people, just like having, people like you love those kinds even of just statements, having, I'm sure. Yeah, even just having, you know. Like that that fire like, to be like, yeah, no, like, screw you, I am. No, I want to. Yeah. You know, it's like I didn't like disrespect him by, I didn't like have an argument or like get punchy or anything like that. But I'm looks like, I just told him like, no, no, like I really want to. And like, that's where I'm gonna try and go to right that's where i'm going like i don't know like having and even a love for like i used to surf the bay so much like when i first came to hawaii and along with all the outer reefs and stuff like that and i love that wave like that wave yeah. is just it's just like you in five minutes you're in the spot you park your car at the church and walk down and paddle out you don't even get your hair wet and you can be surfing 20 foot waves you know yeah but like now it's like crazy like the one of the reasons why i've kind of like pulled like pulled back just so dangerous like a lot of people having guys bail in front of you taking off and boards coming over the falls boards coming up at you it's just like yeah there's a lot it's it's this time it seems like when i talk to guys who are a few years older um like yourself and like just a lot of the guys who it, it's hard to keep that froth up when there's that many people like at these days like on a a beautiful day like that the last it's the nuts. last day it's like it's super nuts there's 80 of the best most hungriest animals yeah on that wave you know and it's like yeah all the photos everything like that it looks like a a really good swell good day but like yeah, I've had how many to, set waves are there, dude? I've I go through that all the time because I live right there in Santa Cruz. So when there's a big Mav swell, uh, there's a good chance I'm going. And most times I do have a, a really good time, but it ebbs and flows in that same way. Where I'll paddle out sometimes, I'll be shoulder to shoulder with a ton of guys, and I'm just like, dude, this is dangerous. The waves are pumping somewhere else, and. How, like how much is it that I really want this, right? And then I'll go back out and I'll get you know the wave of my life or something. Yeah. I'll be like, yeah. this is this is the 
best thing I've ever done. I'm moving to Half Moon Bay and I'm committing my life to this because you do get those those waves that that make you high for days yeah. on end. And I know that you got one of those earlier this year at Mavericks in November. You caught one of the biggest waves of the day from that outer bowl. Yeah. And that was, that was spectacular, like, man. Any wave is like out there. Like I love Mavs. Like it's such a, it's like, such a radical wave, like, man. It can, like if you want it too, it's there. Yeah. Like you can, you can go and get it. It like the Bay. It's, it's a lot, um, it's still super heavy and you can you know it's gonna you're gonna get poundings but you know it's a lot more like there can be like five six guys on that wave and then it goes into like the channel like i know mavs is starting to get a little bit more kind of guys like on the but it just it doesn't really allow for like too many people to actually like catch the wave for one because it's breaking right the way it breaks it breaks you know square basically like a slab top to bottom <laughs> yeah and you have to be in some sort of the right spot to to be able to at least right. catch it and um and especially on those days like the november day that was fantastic because it, it even though it is a condensed bowl it's yeah. spread out and you you were sitting That's, way out the back to the outer right and then there are guys sitting on the inside and there are guys sitting on the the wide bowl yeah. um and that's and yeah that's like the like for that me, is that like, super cool that's what like i was like really in the in the past mavericks contest i kind of i I kind of got burnt. I think I, I surfed a heat, and I believe I should have got through. I remember and, that, and I didn't, and I didn't think I was going to be in the event again. I didn't make any real waves, but I just was having like just the feeling like I know I have like I know I you know you know I'm not there like all the time, but I I, I believe I can compete out there and. and and on that particular, because Maleko had just been born, he was three weeks old. I had just a real good feeling about that event that Nick won. I just I was in the groove, you know. I went out there the night before, got two waves, bang bang, and it was like really nice and clean. It was kind of slow, but boom boom, and I, like, I felt good. And then I went out in my heat, and I got waves. And it's hard to surf heats at Mavs. Like you can get caught inside, you can pick the wrong wave, and it's just like 45 minutes. It's done. You know, so and I had a good heat, and I was just like, I was, yeah, stoked. And then I got like fifth or something, and I was like, oh my god, are you serious? And everyone's eyes were going the other way, and I'm just like, come on, like, there's no yeah. way I got fifth in that heat. Like after like Cole and Aaron Gold and Jamie Mitchell and everybody came up, yeah, Ben, well, you made it, you, yeah. you won, like Washburn, like guys that you respect, yeah, it's and, too and bad. I felt it too. So I was going back and the, the outside one I'd been seeing on one previous swell that I went there was kind of bigger and a little bit stormy. There was a bunch of waves breaking out there. I saw it and then I, I kind of just stuck to the bowl because that's where kind of I, like everyone was kind of yeah, sitting. Yeah, that's where everyone sits. But then I was like, oh, I'm going to go out there and get one. But I was like, I should have gone when I initially wanted to go. I went out there and I kind of missed a couple, but I, I blew a session, like a whole session, like a Mavs, right. big Mav session, <laughs> and I just missed it, you know? So then on that last well, I, I was like, oh yeah, and I saw the wave and um, I actually paddled out with Ben Andrews and we're like talking to it, like talking about it when we're going out. Oh yeah, I want to get a like second second reef. Yeah, I want to you know, do, do try, the, try the Ben's man. I haven't thought about that because yeah. Ben Andrews. 
has a knack for getting the biggest wave of the day too. Yeah, he's a, like that. That wave Damn. he surfed was like that got me. Oh, like, it, was in, it was incredible, like, man. Yeah. I saw that wave and it just got me psyched, and I, yeah. I went out there. And then I, then I got my wave. Right. Well, there's there's the bowl at Mavericks where a lot of people take off. And then there's this outside bowl to the right where you can take off and the wave will actually peak, peak up. And sometimes you can get an easy entry into a massive wave. And then by the time you get to the bottom of it, that's when it lurches up on the main bowl. And you can ride the wave all the way through. And that's what Ben Andrews did. And that's what... Um, that's what you did on your wave as, as well. well. I, yeah, my one was like I, scr- I was scratching, I was pushing, and like I was, I was, I was in, but I was like, as I was entering, it was like all the water was like in my face, and I was just like, oh no, no, no! But I was just like, oh, I've been out here for like two hours, <laughs> right? I like, don't want to burn <laughs> throw a hail mary. So I was just like, boom, push yeah. myself over, I, and I, I got into it. I'm like, oh, this thing's gonna like bowl and like just barrel so like kind of like coming off the bottom and like the the like the transition like halfway down the face to the bottom just fully drops out and it just like your board like hits like a dead speed bump like you remember the one dorian got and he's like kind of had that rolling and then he just hits that there's like a gnarly yeah the one the one that he almost drowned on yeah so like hit that and then i'm coming like off the bottom and I'm just like looking at it and by the time I got to the bottom, <laughs> everything going on, I'm like kind of like blacking out already. <laughs> like it's just crazy. And I look and I'm just Blacked like, out before I'm I just like out. looking at the, this and it's just like a left coming towards me from the, the footage. Yeah. He's like, oh, why didn't he pack it? But I was just like, I could have packed it and like been a hero, or whatever. But I was like looking literally at this double up left coming towards me and, <laughs> and I could I knew that if I got in front of of that wave yeah. if I if I tried to like even like pull like straight or if I didn't jump off like where I jumped off it would have been crazy like bad news just bears like, never would have penetrated just would have got absolutely ragdolled and i've hurt like i've had my knee ligaments ripped and a whole bunch of stuff out there you know so kind of preservation but the whole my whole thing was i was out there and the previous session i was i got a good lineup for a good ballpark lineup for that wave and then I went out there and I got that wave. So it was kind of more of a, um, if the contest does go and it is banging out the back there, well, then I have that in my back pocket as right. well. Like I can sit at the bowl and spin and go with nobody out. Like, you know, if I, you know, hopefully yeah, yeah, like yeah. if it's a consistent, like I've, I haven't been lucky enough to be in the event when it's been like macking big and consistent. All my efforts have been like just, yeah, you know, it's not, the, there hasn't been a contest like the 2010, 2010 contest. Yeah. So that was like, if 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 I was in one of those contests, like I would love to be. Right, like, well, you strike me, you like strike me as a guys. type of person kind of like Jamie Mitchell where you have a competitive advantage the bigger it gets. Uh, you know, I just love it too. Like, <laughs> like a lot of people, like you, you see it sometimes where it's just like, you know, when it's manageable and when it's nice, everybody's like pushing and going, but when it gets to that like kind of borderline like especially at Mavs when it's like the period gets high and the swell actually keeps high it's it's really intimidating wave but it's also like if you put yourself in the spot 
you're gonna get the sickest wave. Yeah, you can so, get the, that's the like, special thing about Mavericks is like, you can drop gotta, into the biggest wave of your life. You got to pay to play too, yeah. and if you can deal with the beatings, which I've had plenty of beatings out there, and so have you. If you can mentally like deal with that, but then put yourself back in that scenario again and do it and and be willing to go through it again <laughs> yeah. to get you know to reap the rewards of those sick big double up slabs that you can just like spin and no paddle into basically if you're in the right spot and just like i don't know for me like there's no like better feeling than no than like getting a sick mavs bomb no there's not man and that's that's why i enjoy doing doing this podcast because i get to talk to people like you because it does take a certain personality and a certain level of commitment to really go for it in that way and um i find that people who have to deal with that mental turmoil of, of dealing with a, a really bad beating of dealing with getting kind of close to death sometimes and then continuing to do it because it's something that you love and, and let's face it everyone out there is doing it because they love it because there's not a lot of big sponsorship dollars in big wave surfing there's something that's um that's just so cool about people that are, are able to to face that because they in a sense then know who they are right in a in in a more solidified way than than people who don't have to deal with that kind of fear yeah there's there's so much that goes into it from just paddling out out there like if you need to get out there if you don't have a ski or whatever it's just like getting out there is one thing you know like paddling out and then you gotta sit and watch and then you make your way over and you yeah, love doing that too, huh? You you've always enjoyed doing the long paddle outs. Yeah, I it gets me it gets me kind of in tune with the board too, the the wax, the I don't know the water because you know you come from Hawaii or come from somewhere. It's like you know it's a new the, water it's, temperature. It's, you're wearing a bunch of rubber. You yeah, the way you lay on your board too, it's always like kind of awkward. So I think that like that paddle out doing a bunch of duck dives and kind of gets your suit kind of fitting better you know you got some i don't know it gets everything kind of gets you warmed up too and right. just like gets you used to your part of the reason is like gets you used to your board i think like yeah when you do have to like if you are going to go out there and sit where we sit and spin and go you need to be kind of comfortable on your board you can't have any increment of like hesitation am i too far like, up am i too yeah, far back have, yeah. right yeah and it's, it's just like and it's awkward go. it's awkward yeah. being on big boards sometimes in wetsuits too in wetsuits so. do you set uh specific goals for yourself when you go out um into all of your sessions or is it kind of uh thank you sir um or is it more dependent on like, like what, what's your mindset i'm always really interested to to ask people that no i don't have i don't have any goals it's the low it's expectations the it's, it's feel it yeah it's see if the wood's you, talking to you and yeah, see what you're gonna make out of it pretty well it's i don't know there's i've never really had to like make edits or or have any pressure from sponsors or anything i know there's like a lot of guys that like need to get photos and need to like do that to like make their sponsor get another contract or get an xxl wave to blah 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 whatever yeah but for me it's always just kind of been my like 
my relationship with the ocean and like you know i can i can get any wave i i want but also there's you know i've alex martin's been sitting out there for two hours i'm not going to go snake him or washy or i don't know there's like a i i have you know i don't know if a lot of people like i know a lot of people do but i also carry like a lot of respect for locals like wherever i go like i'm not going to just take off on a wave because i need a photo or because i want to get the wave if someone else is in line i'm not going to dip inside them and yeah and I'll, I'll try and go waves especially at mavs that like no one really wants to go like, i love those types of waves yeah big double ups or that's great or whatever you know what i mean so yeah for me it's never been oh, i have to get a a set wave or anything like that but you know like you're not always going to either even if you really want to totally yeah you're not going to get the opportunity but but a lot of guys do blow it because they show up and they're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and they just get too amped and they will will blow it you know they'll get too aggressive and people won't like them as a result right so it seems like i might have done it like right but it seems but it seems you're you're conscious of it it's not like something they'll do for a whole session it'll be like oh sorry like i was rough (laughs) sorry like and i always like i i try not to ever drop in either like and i i don't know i i have like the ability to a lot of people say that like when they're paddling into a wave like they don't see anyone and that's sometimes that's the case but most of the times at mavs for one you're pretty close quarters so if you see someone paddling they're on your inside and under you will then pull out like so i try not to drop in i'm not saying i've never dropped in on people but i really do make an effort not to i'm conscious like not to drop in because it is like they don't want to see freaking big Ben on the outside in the yeah. fucking they're trying the, to make some I money I would have gotten you know? a photo of my life <laughs> they're trying to make some money right like <laughs> big Ben's yeah, mug was like, right in, uh, right in Healy's front of trying me to, Healy's trying to get you know get his contract re-signed and I jump on and you cover me and it looks like a 20 footer and then you cover Healy and it looks like a 6 footer you know so that's kind of that happens oh yeah it does but it's hopefully I'm on the it's one of those unspoken things where like I'll talk to so many guys who will come in from a session like yeah god the wave of my life is epic but fuck someone burned me it sucks I really wanted to get a photo of me on the biggest wave of my life without one or two people dropping it on me yeah (laughs) but it's like this bittersweet thing right where you're like I can't be like too mad because I I did make the wave and then you drink beer with them yeah exactly (laughs) right go to the IPL watch you fucker (laughs) thanks for listening everyone be sure to get in touch with Ben on Instagram at pitmove And you can contact me anytime with feedback on the show, recommendations for new guests, or a simple hello. All right, I will see you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day.